Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the T and Crystal's podcast. I am T. And I'm Crystal. Ladies and gentlemen, we are so happy to have you with us today. We have a very exciting episode for you. We're going to be covering the Netflix documentary called Take Care of Maya. If you haven't had the chance to watch Take Care of Maya, well, that's too damn bad because we didn't warn you over the past couple of weeks that we were going to be covering it. But if you still didn't have the chance, we're going to be covering it here for you today in detail. Chris, before we get started, how are you? I'm good. I, it's been a good week. I've been doing everything I can to get this episode set up because, mm-hmm. you know, um, even in our practice episodes, we really didn't do too much to, true crime. So this is very new for us, um, you know, so I'm I'm excited, worried, you know, all those things when, when we're doing, when we're stepping out of our comfort zone and we're doing something new. Uh, so I hope you guys enjoy this. We're definitely going to go very detailed into essentially the documentary. Like I, I made some, some pretty hefty notes. Just, I mean, some of this stuff is pulled right from the documentary. So if you do watch the documentary, mm. if you've seen the documentary, you'll, you'll recognize a lot of what's being said, obviously. Um, uh, but I'm excited. I, I think this is a really, you know, as heartbreaking uh, infuriating as the story is, I think it's an important mm-hmm. story, and I'm I'm excited to finally start to go over it. I will reiterate to you guys: mm-hmm. this is probably going to be a two part episode, so you are not going to get through everything mm-hmm. in this episode. So the no. next week's episode is going to be the conclusion of this. Um, but <clears throat> I'm excited for it. I I do want to want to say real quick, uh, as someone who works in film and television production or was you know, making her way through it before the writers and the, <laughs> the actor strike. Um, although, oh, yeah. you know, I'm union strong. Um, yeah. Even though I'm not part of a union. <laughs> I was getting there. Um, <laughs> uh, this was this was yeah. so beautifully done and it was so beautifully yeah. edited. Uh, so yeah. and I know a large large part of that, too, was also because of the mother in this story who took a mm. lot of of documentation. In- saying yes how much she documented everything like that's one of the most impressive things about the documentary yes. to me yeah is the fact that she like was meticulous mm-hmm. in recording this story yeah exactly so it was so well done so i definitely i definitely if you haven't definitely recommend you to go check it out but you are going to hear the full story here over the next two episodes um yeah. So with so that go being ahead said, and get you a drink. Go on ahead and, and get ready to wash the dishes. Whatever you're doing, where well, we are your pastime, go on ahead and do it. Settle in because we we finna go in. We are. Um. So like I said, this is a newer. This is something new for us. So it's it's and it's a very serious subject. So it's probably not going to be as as funny and humorous as our other our other stuff. Although Timmy, you know, he likes to it's, laugh it's, at some inappropriate <laughs> moments. So. Stop, because I'm about to, like, soon as you said that, I start laughing. Like, I'm, y'all, I promise y'all, I'm go- I I am going to do my level best not to laugh at an inappropriate moment. Mm-hmm. But I make no promises. No promises. Okay. So, this is Take Care of Maya. Mm-hmm. Um, so, this story is about the Kowalski family, and it starts with Jack and Beata. 
So Beata came to the U.S. from communist Poland when she was just 16 years old. She attended high school in Chicago, where a teacher told her she would never be able to make it, um, which just ended up pushing her further. So she got herself through college. She became a nurse. uh, And then she met Jack, who, you know, fell in love with her pretty, pretty instantly. They got married. And Jack says that uh, Beata very early on wanted to be a mother. She was very very excited about that part. So they immediately started trying, but they had some difficulties early on. Uh, But after a while, they were able to have their firstborn child, which is Maya, who our story primarily centers around. Mm -hmm. So Maya, as soon as she was born, Beata took to being a mother amazingly you know she gave all she could for little maya she gave her piano lessons maya went to polish school uh beata would keep very detailed documents and notes about maya uh from the moment she was born um and throughout her childhood and everything uh two years after maya was born they had their final child kyle a son um, and Jack says, you know, from then on, life life was good for them. You know, they lived in Florida. Um, Beata was working as an infusion nurse, helping people with their treatments at home. Jack was a firefighter um, until he eventually retired. And which will come into play for me later, mm-hmm. because if you see in the documentary, and you see how things progress. I really had to take a moment and pause. Like, and I was like, you were running into burning buildings? But you know, we'll we'll get there. But you know, it could be, I mean, with burning buildings and everything, at the end of the day, no matter how much you care, there's still strangers. This is his actual child that he's dealing with at all times. His family. It's so it's a little more personal. But I understand I understand what you're saying. But see, I ain't even talking about the emotional aspect. Like, I'm talking about more of the the timing of his reactions. Right. I feel like if you're a firefighter, you have to be very quick to make decisions. Yeah. Quick, you know, in the moment. Mm-hmm. And I feel like as we progress through the story, he just was not. But by this time, you know, he was retired already, yeah. right? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. So, you know, maybe that played a is part. Why he in yeah, <laughs> you know what I'm saying. Yeah. But it, it it was still like it it won't click in for me. Yeah. But we'll get there. Yeah. So our story really begins in uh the later end of 2015. Uh, Maya began to get sick. She was in a great deal of pain, primarily in her arms, her legs, and her feet. She was very lethargic. She started having trouble moving. And Beata started taking Maya to the hospital to try to figure out what was wrong with her child. Uh, And it was early on during this time that she started to document the whole journey. So when I mean document, I mean not only did she keep written records of every single 
doctor's appointment. Mm-hmm. She had video recordings of the appointments. She had yeah. audio recordings of the appointments. When she had phone calls with doctors, she recorded those as well. So um, you can and really. And they're in Florida, right? Yes. Yeah, I wonder what the consent laws are there because Homegirl recorded she did. anything in anyone that was in her vicinity. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what the, the consent laws because I think at some point in the in the documentary, she does it does show her asking, telling the people, I'm recording this. Yeah. Is that okay? Uh so I don't yeah. know if she did that for everyone, but she she did. Yeah. She kept and because so, I just recently found out that Virginia is a one party consent mm-hmm. state mm-hmm. which i always thought it was a two-party consent I thought it was state too. so your boy is about to get out here and it's about to, <laughs> it's about to be over for a lot of y'all just just let y'all this is a fair warning okay <laughs> uh but so because of biata's documentation this is the primary reason why we're able to literally follow maya's journey from the beginning on and it's it's also probably a big reason why this documentary was able to become be made um so in october of 2015 during a a recording beata records an immunologist's office with the doctor she states she didn't think much of maya's symptoms she thought it had been her asthma that was acting up until maya began to have chest congestions you know she was coughing up like yellow green phlegm she would have sinus infections maya couldn't go outside without beginning to cough all that stuff um jack states that it all started with her breathing her breathing problems started to get really bad she had respiratory infections headaches blurred vision and her skin started to feel like it was on fire especially when being Mm. touched her legs in particular uh you know just a simple graze felt felt like sharp pains um and Mm. because of that her legs actually started to turn inwards and she couldn't Mm. walk anymore she would cry Mm. throughout the night in extreme pain and despite going to multiple doctors nobody could figure out what was wrong they went to Mm. So many hospitals, so many doctors trying to find the answer. And because of Beata being a nurse, you know, she documented every one of these visits. So mm-hmm. in the recording. And you know what's, what's wild about, you know, that, mm-hmm. you know, point of the process? I think Maya was so articulate mm-hmm. at her age. Mm-hmm. That people took her less seriously. Yes. She was about nine years old at this point. Yeah. For the but she was very articulate. Mm-hmm. Very, you know, I don't want to say poised, but like kind of, she had like a calm demeanor unless she was in pain. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like because she was so calm outside of the pain. Mm-hmm. You know, outside of the flare ups and, you know, stuff that people didn't take her seriously because she has such a, a chill, natural disposition. And I think she might have, because she was always in pain, I think she started, I personally think she probably started to develop some sort of tolerance to pain. So it, mm-hmm. it probably, it started to get to the point where it took a lot for her to really mm-hmm. react. So she just yeah. dealt with a lot of it internally. And I, I and do. And it seemed to be like very like, 
I don't want to say not explosive, but kind of like spor- sporadic, mm-hmm. but like intense. Yeah. Like, when like it she was... would be chill and then something, you know, would really, really hurt. And then she would react to mm-hmm. that. But it would be such an other end of the spectrum reaction that people thought that she was putting on. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But it's like, no, this girl just has a tolerance for pain and she just couldn't take that yeah. at that moment. Yeah. You know? Agreed. So in that recording um, of the October 15th doctor's visit, uh, the doctor is heard explaining that he really isn't sure what's going on and that, you know, with a kid, they can say, you know, I can't breathe. I can't breathe. Um, But for him, he can't know for sure that they're not just having an anxiety attack. Uh, And in that, that recording, you can hear him, you know, he ended up just, you know, leaving the room at one point and you can hear my saying, mom, it's not an anxiety attack. And her mom is like, you know, I know, I know it's not, um, you know, they're, they're just trying to figure out what's wrong with you. Yeah. So it goes back. It goes back to to them just not really believing Maya uh, mm-hmm. and what she was describing. So. Which is crazy. Like you have this child. just continuously coming up here. Is in pain. You can see that she's in pain. Mm-hmm. Of course, you can't tell if she's actually in pain. Mm-hmm. But she's expressing to you that she's in pain. She's showing you her. She, and at this point, she's having physical manifestation mm-hmm. of her symptoms where her legs, her ankles and feet are turning inward. Mm-hmm. Like to the point where it ain't just like, you know, sometimes you walk, what is it called? Pitch and toe mm-hmm. on purpose. No, like her, her joints was actually like, you know, babies when they first come out the womb. Yep. Mm-hmm. Like these joints be twisted up and turned up and stuff sometimes. Like that's how her legs was looking. Yeah. And she, at this point, she couldn't even walk anymore. She couldn't bear weight on her. She was yeah. in the wheelchair. She couldn't, you know, she went from being a playful, happy girl to within about, I want to say they said about three months. Uh, she, she deteriorated really quickly. Um, and she couldn't, she couldn't walk anymore because of the way her legs were. So she was in a wheelchair. Um, yeah. So Beata, because of all of this, she would spend, Jack said she would spend hours, you know, sometimes into the night just researching her symptoms, trying to find anybody who could possibly know what was going on with her daughter. Uh, and eventually she was able to find a doctor, Dr. Anthony Kirkpatrick. He was an anesthesiologist. Um, and she was able to get an appointment with him which he also recorded that appointment for them. And it was in around October, end of October, beginning of September is when the the appointment took place. So um, he points out that her feet turning in is known as dystonia and that Maya's condition was so bad, she couldn't safely bear weight. She was in a wheelchair. She could barely lift her right hand above her head so when he asked her to lift her hand she got about this far like she couldn't lift it any higher than what her head was at she couldn't put it behind her or anything she couldn't do it with her left arm either um and then he he had her mom hold up one of her feet he asked her to wiggle her toes and you can see maya she's like really concentrating but her toes are not moving at all so it's at this point that he says it was clear that what Maya had was called CRPS, which is complex regional pain syndrome. Uh, 
So he goes on to explain that the best way to describe it is by how it evolves. For example, if you have an injury, you know in a week or two, the pain's going to go down, the swelling's going to go down, and the redness is going to go down. Everything will go down. But in CRPS, it actually intensifies over that period of time. So published cases, cases studies, published case studies indicates that um, incidence of CRPS increases dramatically from ages 9 to 11, and it's predominantly in female, which is exactly the category that Maya fell in. She was 9 years old, um, Mm -hmm. and she was a female. (laughs) Um, And that patients (laughs) patients often describes their skin as becoming exquisitely sensitive to light touch. And I think the reason why doctors, a lot of doctors weren't taking her necessarily taking her serious or just didn't know how to diagnose her is because this has only been recognized by modern medicine since the 1990s so you know at that point it was barely recognized they were really acting like oh this is some type of you know side project experimental stuff that this weird anesthesiologist is doing yeah so you know like he don't really know what he's talking about yeah so although he is considered an expert in in the field he it's not very well wide wide known and you know Mm -hmm. despite what people some people might want to say the 1990s was not very far very long so you know i don't know girl but every year i'm like I'm looking in the rear view mirror, been, and that, that 90s is getting a little further and further away. It's been like 10 years since the 1990s. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Do not lie to me or you like that. Don't do that. <laughs> so due to Maya's condition, Dr. Kirkpatrick said she had advanced CRPS and that they needed to get aggressive with it in order to control it. So at this point, he has treated over 3,000 patients. So he knows from experience that the best treatment was ketamine, which can be used to treat... Ketamine. Mm-hmm. It can be used to treat... I ain't gonna treat... hold you. That would have made me pause. Like I'm sure. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What you, what you mean, mm-hmm. ketamine? Like Because I think... It's probably around this time that ketamine was just really being introduced, but on the the drugs. That's exactly what I was thinking. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. you know, it probably at that time had a really bad rap. Because I remember after like pills ain't got big Mm -hmm. and like spice and all that stuff. Mm Mm-hmm. Then you started hearing about ketamine. Mm -hmm. And when I heard ketamine in the documentary, I was like, oh. Mm Mm-hmm. Not y'all finna drug this little girl. I know. I know. Yeah, I can definitely see where people would have concerns for it. But it can be used to treat pain management in chronic patients. Because once it enters your system, it acts as a way of resetting the brain. And it tends to increase your blood pressure, increase your circulation, and increase your breathing. Let me tell you something. I don't want nothing that's going to reset my brain. I don't need that. (laughs) But I guess... I don't need that. I guess I kind of understand, you know, where... For CRPS patient, it's like one if something happens, if an injury happens and pain is recognized, then it's like your brain short circuits and it doesn't then recognize when the pain is no longer there. And instead, it just mm. increases for them. So when you reset it, the brain is kind of like, oh, 
there's actually nothing to feel pain about. I, I'm assuming in a simple, mm. simplified version of it. Mm-hmm. So I get no. it. And for a child to be in that much, I mean, when you have an mm-hmm. adult who has chronic pain, well, I mean, that's where a lot of a lot of suicides happen because they just can't deal with it. So for a child is. to go through yeah. it, you're going to want to do whatever you can despite the risks. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, they did start Maya off on a relatively low dose, but it wasn't working. And so that's when he then discussed with both Bieta and Maya about the ketamine coma procedure. So at this point, which wild, the ketamine coma procedure, ketamine, ketamine coma. That's not, you know what? That sounds like a good album title. <laughs> ketamine coma coming out this fall. That sounds like a good. I like that. At this, if I come out with a debut album, it may be called Ketamine, ketamine Coma. coma? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're gonna have a lot of people like, really, really, Re- <laughs> really. <laughs> Take care of Maya, Timmy. <laughs> <laughs> um. But yeah, you know, and I don't, I haven't even looked it up to see if this has become more common in 2023. But Mm, at this point in 2015, this was very much an experimental procedure. It wasn't even done in the States. In fact, the guy said, the doctor said the only place it could be done was in Mexico. You know, so that says a lot right there. Um, Which is where people, you know what, never mind. (laughs) Like I said. Because that's what them chiclet, them chiclet. Fake teeth and them BBLs come from. Mm-hmm. So, you know. Right. So, I, I, listen, if I heard that, not saying, you know, that, you know, Mexico don't, because I done heard some good things about procedures. People go down there to get medicine. People go down there to get, you know, the prescriptions filled and mm-hmm. dental work done and everything else. And they say it's amazing. Right. However, Mm-mm. Not for me. Well, you know, it might for them the, because he's based in Florida and he's going there to perform. So he, it's still him that's performed this procedure. It's not someone else. But I will say, yeah, you definitely have to be careful because I completely understand that. I see so many videos of people who want something done and it's so expensive here in the U.S. So they decide to go overseas you know they go to mexico they go to turkey they go other places to get these procedures done at more than half the cost you know they don't even need insurance because they can afford it by going to these other places and they turn out great uh i just think you know if that's the option you want to do you just have to really really research who you're going to to make sure but the other side of the coin which i actually i I saw on a show or something somewhere i can't remember but there was a dentist on the show, and they were saying, you know, there is nothing wrong because they were talking about, you know, the the veneers mm-hmm. um, specifically. And, you know, the dentist was saying, "There's nothing wrong with you wanting to go to these different countries and stuff, and wanting to get these veneers and blah blah blah." blah. But just know, a lot of dentists in the states that want to keep their license, if something happens to your teeth, you're not going to get help in the United States. Mm. Because these doctors don't want to take liability for what another dentist in another country did. Yeah. Like you have you have no safety net once you get back to the US. Like you're gonna have to go back there and hope that they can fix it. Mm -hmm. Like if you go down there and they just play in your mouth and you come back with them horse teeth, Mm -hmm. 
no dentist here is going to want to fix that because yeah. they're not going to want to risk their license because dentists have lost their licenses, you know, trying to fix something. And then somebody goes and complains to the board. And now that person has lost their their dentist practice, you know, behind losing their license because they try to help you yeah. fix some stuff that you got done down in Columbia. Yeah. 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 I feel you. Okay. So what is the ketamine coma procedure? So during the coma, doctors can use up to 50 times the typical dose to induce a five-day coma. The treatment, like I said, is still considered experimental and is only available in Mexico. They were warned. They were warned that Maya could die from such a procedure. Oh, my God. That's crazy. But the Kowalskis felt that there was no other options. Either do this or watch Maya continue to deteriorate every day so Mm. i can't imagine that kind of decision decision. but Mm -hmm. to be perfectly honest if i'm watching my child be in this pain day after day Mm -hmm. after three months and nobody else in the in all the doctors that i've seen me being a nurse myself cannot figure out what's wrong with her Mm -hmm. this is and my child is telling me at nine years old they're telling me this is what i want to do because at the and they end have of the day, proof that it's worked for other others. Yeah, Be- because I can't sit there and watch my baby be in pain. Yeah, because like I said, he's he's worked in about three thousand patients. He has documented their recovery. You can kind of see a little clips of different girls in in the in the videos on the documentary. So obviously, there's been some sort of success in this with not only children doing this, but children around Maya's age. So the procedure took place in Monterey, Mexico in November of 2015. Beata actually had audio recording before the procedure. Procedure, And I will admit, Maya sounded scared. Uh, she was afraid of not waking Hold up. On. We're not, we not going to skip over that New England that just came out of you. <laughs> procedure. I heard it. That New England, that New England jumped out of you... Like the exorcist. My God in heaven. She said, get it in procedure. Well, hold on, Benjamin Franklin. Slow slow your roll. <laughs> like, we're not just going to skip over that. <laughs> Come on, New England. I get it I from my right. mom. <laughs> I know that's right. Procedure. You know what? Declaration of Independence and all that. Chip, chip, cheerio. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Whatever y'all say up there. You know mm-hmm. what? I will say, I think I'm someone who unintentionally mimics strong sounds. So my mm-hmm. mom, when she mm-hmm. goes to Massachusetts, her accent, <laughs> her accent comes back quick. <laughs> and when her accent comes yeah. back, there's certain words that she says. And I, and the mm. longer I'm around her saying that, and the longer I'm around my cousins who have very thick accents, you know, Boston type yeah. accents as well, I'll find myself unintentionally saying some words the way oh, they are. Um, yep. And it's not in a it's disrespectful so way. It's not in a way that I'm making fun of. It's just... It makes it's it just involuntarily it, it happens. Uh, it happens to me all the time. Yeah. When I when I um my wife tells me all the time and her family too, especially her her mom and dad. Mm-hmm. They're like when you talk to us, 
Like, I'll be over their house, and then my mother or father will call. And then I get on the phone with them, and they're like, we can understand you when you speak to us. But if you get on the phone with your family, we can't understand what you're saying. Yep. <laughs> like, listen. Yeah. It's it's, it, I don't hear it, yeah. but I'm sure it is different. Because it's the same way as if if I if I'm with someone who has a really deep country accent, so, suddenly that oh. southerner in me mm. comes out, and suddenly I have mm-hmm. uh, this really country accent, and I'm just like, mm-hmm. and I don't notice it either until I'll, I'll. It's like I'll hear a word. I'm like, whoa, whoa, mm-hmm. whoa. That's not me. Some, some somebody <clears throat> whose name starts with an R that you and I worked with mm-hmm. that lived in the same county that I lived in. Mm-hmm. If I were to talk to her, boy, we he hawing pig wrestling like we <laughs> we are the countries of the country bumpkins mm-hmm. talking to each other. Yeah, but talking to y'all is 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 a little bit different. Yeah, but. But not everybody in our county sounds like that, which Mm-mm. is so wild right. to me. Yeah. Like, you, you can talk to somebody that live, you know, a couple doors down, mm-hmm. and they don't sound nowhere near nope. as country as we do. Yeah. But I do think a lot of that, ha- we're, we're in a big military area, so we have people from all over that come through. Yeah. Um, but I yeah. will say, yeah, I, I mean, for the longest time, I, I believed I didn't have an accent, which I was so upset about because i've always i like accents Mm. um and i remember my cousins coming down when we were when we were you know young adults and my cousin vicky she would just she loved the fact that we said y'all uh in Mm. fact she was trying to incorporate that into her speech she she would be talking (laughs) and then she would say something she would say and y'all and then she would pause and be like you, you see what I did there? You, you see how I used y'all? Yeah, and you know what I did. <laughs> and I did she would like, <laughs> she would text it and she'd be like, how do you, how do you spell y'all? <laughs> and so we oh. would, we showed her how to spell it and she would use it in her text message. She's like, I just, I love your little accent. I love how y'all say y'all. It's so cute. So I would return the favor by saying wicked. You know what? <clears throat> no. <clears throat> I, you know, even listen, and you and I are from for for people who's who's not from <clears throat> where we're from. You and I are only two cities geographically mm-hmm, apart, mm-hmm. and it's about a forty-five minute distance. Yeah, and you and I have totally different accents. Absolutely, like, honestly, mine is is country as hell. Mm-hmm. But I'm sure if somebody listened to the both of us and they were from up north somewhere, they would be like, oh, yeah, both of y'all countries. Yeah, 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 exactly. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Yeah. All right. So Beata recorded, was doing an audio recording during when when Maya was getting her, um, I guess, being put to sleep. So she did sound, I'm not going to lie, she did sound scared. She was saying that she was afraid she wasn't going to wake up. She asked if she was going to be normal and her mother was assuring her she would be fine, that she was and would be normal. And you can, I mean, you can hear Maya crying, uh, saying she felt weird and her mom's just there comforting her, telling her, no, no, you're good. So, um, and I ain't, I'm not going to lie. This is, this is where my insensitive side kicks in. I was like, if you don't lay your last back, like, come on, we didn't pay, we didn't came all the way down here, little girl. Like, 
Yeah. I almost called her on her name. You're going to sleep. You're uh, whether it's going to be the eternal rest or not. You're going to sleep. Right. But I imagine this is probably at nine years old. This is probably her very first procedure. So. Oh, it's it's scary. I can imagine. Out me. Mm hmm. I would have been scared. I mm-hmm. they I would have had a full panic attack. They would have had to strap me to the table. Yeah, yeah. But as grown me, yeah, knowing every all the logistics that went into getting her to this point, mm-hmm. I may have it may have been an elbow to the forehead. It may uh, be an yep. elbow to the temple. Like take your ass to sleep. I feel ya. you. know. So my so during the documentary, it's it's interjected with kind of more present time where where. Maya and her family are, are doing depositions and the nurses and doctors mm-hmm. are doing their depositions. So in her deposition, she stated that she remembered being in a room and experiencing hallucinations due to the high doses. But she said she knew her mom was with her and that it helped. So during this time, Beata was documenting the coma with videos. And for the most part, she was doing well. Uh, she she was doing good on days one through uh, four, but on day five, when Maya was supposed to wake up, she had a bad episode that mor- morning with vomiting. So they had to give her extra ketamine, which caused her to stay in the coma for another day. But the next day mm-hmm. on November 22nd, 2015, she woke up from her coma on the sixth day. Uh, she had the wiggles, you know, it shows they're, like I said, very well documented. She had the wiggles, you know, she was touching her face. She was constantly saying yes, even when they weren't quite asking questions she was just like yes yes and they got to her and they said how are you doing she said i'm she's good they said who is your brother she said kyle you know and they asked her to show her a sign show them the sign which was a thumbs up which she did um and they said that went very well she didn't seem to have any real adverse reactions to it and and that they were eager to get her home to see how how this worked and after Mm. the coma Maya was better the ketamine helped tremendously with her pain she had some slight memory loss some blurry vision but Maya stated she was willing to have those symptoms if it would help overall so Mm -hmm. she had a doctor's visit on January 6 2016 she there's a video of her visiting Dr. Kirkpatrick to show her progress and at that point she could now lift her arms like normal she could put it behind her head mm-hmm. um she was able to le- uh, move more freely she was experiencing minor headaches compared to what she was uh, and that they were getting a lot better and that her the pain in her legs were better so although she couldn't walk still at this point she was getting better um mm-hmm. unfortunately though after mexico the kowalskis could no longer afford dr kirkpatrick's treatment so they were referred to his colleague dr hannah who took their insurance so dr hannah prescribed low doses of ketamine for maya to maintain uh and beata continued to document maya's recovery she showed her getting stronger she was using her arms more even when she couldn't use her legs uh she showed mm-hmm. her like pulling herself up on things showing her just being happy she was playing she was swimming yeah. with her brother uh she had started and to go seeing, back to seeing school. all that footage is almost eerie mm-hmm. you know when you consider how the story progresses yes but it's almost it's, it's almost eerie because it's like did it's like she she had this sense of like Every, all of this is important. Yes. Like 
All yes. of this needs to be documented, you know, so the story can be told. Yeah. Because you know, even like it's because at this point, you know, life was good for them. They didn't think it's not like she yeah. knew what yeah. was going to happen. Was going to happen. So yeah. the fact that she still at this point to it document was, it is it was strictly about getting her daughter help, mm-hmm. you know, in the best way that she knew how. Yeah. Little did she know. Yeah, it was literally it's and it's like I said, it's eerie because it's literally the calm before the storm because mm-hmm. this this happiness, this little bubble that they were in, lasted for about a year, and ironically, yeah. um. In October of 2016, during Hurricane Matthew, it was the night Hurricane Matthew Matthew came through Florida. That's where things took a turn. So on this particular night, Maya woke up in extreme pain, primarily in her tummy. She was screaming and crying, begging for help. And Jack was home with her, but Beata was at work. So Jack called Beata told her what was happening and told her that he was going to take her to the ER um, because she was in such pain. So that's when he decided to take her to John Hopkins All Children's Hospital. Uh, So when they got there, Mm. none of the nurses knew what CRPS was or how it was treated. So after Jack kind of fumbled with how things were supposed to be done, he eventually got his wife back on the phone where Beata informed the nurses that she needed pain meds, low dose naltroxin and ketamine, which is, was just prescribed orally by her doctor. Um, Mm -hmm. And during the depositions, the ER physicians, uh, a doctor Posey stated that Beata's only concern was administering ketamine and that she was demanding and belligerent and then an icu pediatric physician dr sanchez said beata was very controlling stating this is what you are going to do in the recording beata states you don't understand her medical diagnosis or how much it takes to control her pain dr sanchez then states in her deposition that high doses of ketamine can cause risks of respiratory failure cardiac arrest and felt that her daughter could die from this. And she said that despite this, it didn't seem like Beata was worried about that. So Maya. And and we have to keep in mind, you know, you know, if you haven't seen the documentary, when, when these doctors are giving their accounts of what happened, it is dripping with ego it is yes but you can tell that they were they were not so concerned and i'll say allegedly they they allegedly weren't so concerned about the patient that they had and what that patient was going through they were more concerned about the fact that this lady had the audacity and the gall to give them professional recommendations that that's that's how it it came off to me now granted you know there is a theme of of maya's mom being very assertive Mm -hmm. and not mincing words and and you know getting straight to the point Mm -hmm. like she wasn't 
sugarcoating anything. She wasn't sliding anything in easy in the conversation. She was very direct. Mm-hmm. And, you know, her her only concern was making sure that her daughter was taken care of. Yeah. And and I think this is the point where her advocating for her child worked against her. Yeah. In the worst way. Agreed. I will now to speak on the other side of that. Mm-hmm. Despite how the nurses came off in the deposition, mm-hmm. I want you to try to put yourself in their shoes in that moment. Because yeah. while we are seeing this with ev- all the information already here and gathered and now know what the mm-hmm. outcome is at that moment, yeah. they didn't. So when you are trying to do your job and you have a parent coming in telling you, mm-hmm. no, you need to do this. And she very well could have come off as being demanding and belligerent in her because Mm. that's kind of how she was. While I wouldn't go as far as belligerent, demanding is something I think I would be able to safely say Beata was. And I think that's a large part of- And that's based on the recordings that she did. Yes, because when Beata speaks, there is no- like there is a fina- finality to what she speaks. Yeah. Everything she is saying yeah. is it has to be done. It like has. It's, yeah, it is. It is the end of the she road. She absolutely like you, means you have to do this thing. Yeah, she absolutely means what she is saying. There is no yeah. question about it. So yeah, I could see how that would rub these nurses mm-hmm. off by someone coming and trying to tell them to do their job, especially because they yeah. probably deal with stuff like this all the time. Yeah. So yeah. I don't want, but people- you know, I, I feel like it is unfortunate because that is, that is so true. Mm-hmm. You know, this is one case of the hunt, probably hundreds of cases. If you know, mm-hmm. dozens of cases that they see yes. in a shift, Yes. you know, in the emergency room, mm-hmm. but it really came off as they weren't even willing to consider what she yeah, was saying. Yeah, yeah. And I it will... was very like, oh, I've heard of ketamine and I know ketamine is dangerous. Mm-hmm. So I'm not I'm not even gonna listen to that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I don't know what's going on, but I'm not even willing to take any information that will lead me to understand mm-hmm. what's going on. And I will because say because the opinion has to originate with me. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. I will say also you know, because of the way they came off in their deposition, I imagine because during their deposition, the I don't think the the big things had even happened. I think this was still in the beginning of, yeah. you know, this this investigation. So mm-hmm. they probably felt that, you know, they were still right. And they probably just were feeling aggravated by this person, this, this woman um, Mm, and how, how how she spoke to them and how she, Mm. she treated them in their eyes. So that could also play into why they were acting the way they were in, in these depositions. Mm -hmm. Um, So Maya was 
eventually moved from the ER and she was transferred to the pediatric intensive care unit. Um, they started Maya on low dose ketamine, but that wasn't working because, you know, at this point, Maya was taking very high doses of ketamine. So Mm -hmm. in order to manage her pain, low doses weren't going to do it, but they did start off on low Mm -hmm. dose, um, ketamine. And during his deposition, pediatric cardiac, pediatric cardiac ICU physician, Dr. Malik stated that during those first few days with Maya, they didn't feel like they were making any progress, uh, progress or effect to Maya's status and started to question the diagnosis of complex generalized pain syndrome. Mm -hmm. Since, um, the doctors were refusing to listen to Beata about how the low doses were not helping, Dr. Malik stated things were becoming belligerent and that there were talks of them leaving the hospital, which is when he started to feel unsafe about Maya. He says, if you have a suspicion of child abuse, they are required to contact CPS. The Kowalskis were told if they planned on trying to leave, that security would be called. Mm. So at this point... Maya is in the the pediatric ICU. Um, it's been a few mm. days. She's been on low dose ketamine, but it hasn't been helping. And her parents have been insisting that they needed to up her dosage in order to get her back to where she needed to go. Because they mm. were not listening, they were now trying to um to get to get uh my transfer to uh, somewhere else where they would be listening. Um, mm-hmm. So that's... Which, <clears throat> as a parent, that is like... That's your natural course of action. Like, Absolutely. If you feel like you've reached, you know, a wall with mm-hmm. this place and you feel like, okay, my child isn't going to get the help that they need mm-hmm. here. Like, of course, you would want to be like, all right, well, give, give me the papers that I need so I can move on so I can get my child the help that they need because... I'm not finna listen to y'all when my baby in here hooping and hollering and screaming and carrying on like, I, no. Yeah, yeah. So, and I and I agree, I, I would be in the same way. So, you know, a few days later, while Jack was visiting Maya, uh, a nurse had just finished checking her up and had left. And at that point, another woman with dark hair had come in. She was dressed as a nurse and she started to ask mm. Maya questions. Uh, Jack said that she had never stated who she was. She acted like any other doctor. And Maya said in her deposition, if they had known who she was, they would never have spoken to her. Jack mm. said she asked What's wrong with Maya? Where is she being treated? Asked about her medications. And then she asked how he could let someone give such a high dosage, which Jack told her that's what the doctor prescribed. So during... And you know what? This is when Jack started to get on my... This is when Jack started to get on my nerves. Mm -hmm. Because... Gentlemen... I'm going to speak to the fathers out there. I think it's very important to be an active and participatory parent in your child's life. Um, I know a lot of us depend on our wives, girlfriends, baby mamas, uh, even, to take care of the details and, you know, be there with the details when we need them. 
so we can you know do a lot of the the um, other parts of the you know relationship but in these instances I feel like Jack was useless <laughs> because he really had to defer to his wife for everything which really set his wife up to be bulldozed. Yeah, like, I agree. We'll, we'll get more into it, but low-key, low-key, like as much stuff went on and as much as, you know, the mom kind of worked against herself, I felt, I really feel like when it came down to it, like not only did he set her up to fail, but when everything was going down, he left her hanging. I can see that. Absolutely. For real, for real. Yeah. But, but we'll, we'll get we'll into get to that. that. So, um, during, right. So, uh, during Dr. Hannah's deposition, the lawyer asked if the oral ketamine could cause the stomach pain. And he said it could be a side effect. He did admit that. Uh, Dr. Sally Smith, who was the nurse that is questioning Jack at this point, had stated that he was giving the child a thousand milligrams at the time, day after day, which she says is not routine ketamine dosing. But Dr. Hannah states that his patients take can take up to 1500 milligrams a day and that every patient is different. Some develop tolerances or their disease progress progress requires higher doses he says for maya a thousand milligrams a day over four hours is what is typically what worked for maya dr smiley sally smith said that there were multiple complaints from the doctors of suspected abuse um of something called munchizer by proxy and it was finally revealed at that point that Dr. Sally Smith was actually uh, the, uh, what is it, the investigator for child abuse, essentially. Um, mm. So after she had her conversation with Jack in the room, she left the room. And Jack says that uh, the nurse that had been helping him came back in and at that point informed him that he had to leave because... Maya had now been taken into the state's custody. Mm-hmm. So, and and I want I want everybody to keep in mind, you know, I'm sure, Krista, you have it in your notes. The revelations that will come out about, um, I'm gonna call her CPS, Child Protective Services worker. Mm-hmm. You know how the company that she works for is tied into the private sector mm-hmm. and, and how that plays into how they deal with cases of suspected child yes. abuse and, you know, how low key it's a way for them to generate money. Yes. And I will buy. Yeah. I will be yeah, getting we'll, into we'll, all, we'll get into that. all the nitty gritty of that because it is wild. Mm-hmm. It is sick. It It is sick. Like it really as a parent, like it really I didn't even consider Mm -hmm. I don't live in the States. So it's not something that I consider anyway. But even if I did live in the States, 
with my child. It, it's not something I would have considered a a threat. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Just me taking care of my child and and kids get sick. Things happen. Like and and you know what we will uncover as we progress through this story just makes you so afraid as a parent for anything to happen to your child. Yes. And it really makes you question the motives behind some of the mm-hmm. their the reasonings for why some families essentially get torn apart. Um yeah. But yeah, so at this point yeah. Jack is told that he had to leave. Maya was in state custody and the rest of the story will continue in the next episode. Yeah. Yeah, y'all. We we let me tell you. We have set the foundation. Crystal has done a magnificent job of laying the framework for this story. Mm. You all must tune in to part two. Yes. Of 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 this story because if y'all think that what y'all have heard so far is wild. Just wait until you hear the next half of the story. You will not. I've, I've been trying to hint to you all throughout the story of what is to come, but you truly will not believe what transpires through the rest of the story. I, I know the story and I, I, I still can't believe it. Yeah, I agree with you. So, yeah. But thank you, Crystal. Thank you, Crystal, for leading us this far. You're welcome. Um, it, it it has been you know quite a joy. Thank you so much um, to listen to you. You know, retell the story. It's I'm getting mad all over again, <laughs> and I'm trying. It is. It's very. I'm aggravating. trying so hard not to, but it 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 is. This is one of the most frustrating stories. That I've ever heard, especially the way that it, that everything falls out in the next part. Yes. So, but but we will get there. Yes, we hope you guys end up tuning into the next part. If nothing else, absolutely. You know, feel free to go and if you can't wait that long, feel free to go watch the the video and then come back and mm-hmm. and hear the rest of our thoughts and opinions of it. Send us your thoughts yeah. and opinions of it. Like I said, please. If we can please. have time, we'll definitely love to read some of that out during the episode mm-hmm. um get into if y'all want to send us a dm send us personal dms mm-hmm. send us you know dms to our our and crystal podcast socials let us leave comments leave reviews wherever you want to leave the inf- you know your opinion on our youtube page we will be corresponding with you we will be interacting with you we want to have conversations surrounding the story you know, if you have differing opinions than we do, you know, we'll argue with you down in the comment section. And it, and it, you know, it's it's we want to engage surrounding surrounding this story. Absolutely. <clears throat> but yes, thank y'all so much for listening and watching another episode of the Tea and Crystals podcast. If you want to watch the video version, if you want to see our beautiful faces. Um, you can go on YouTube and search T and Crystal Podcast. We have video versions that come out every single week. Crystal does an amazing job at editing 
those videos. Um, also, you can catch us on the Facebook at T and Crystal's podcast. All of our clips for the upcoming week's episode are posted throughout the week. We also have um, recaps of our segments that Crystal posts after the episode is posted on all our social media platforms every Friday. So over the weekend, you can see um, snippets of the episode in longer form if you just want to catch a couple of Reddit rabbit hole stories. You can do that if 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 you want to go back and watch them again, get you a laugh and go do that because Crystal works hard. <laughs> To make this happen um you can also go over on a tiktok um at t and crystals podcast go for on our instagram that is at t and crystals pod we will be doing some um, anonymous question and answer over there i think it's pinned to our instagram page so if you go there click the little bubble that's underneath of our profile name you can submit some uh, some questions or some comments there. Um, we also have all of our sneak peeks there. So go ahead over there and interact. Y'all have been doing very well with that. I've been getting some nice DMs about people saying how nice our our video projection and stuff is. Again, everybody everybody say thank you, Crystal. Thank you, Crystal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> if you want to send us an email... With any questions, comments, or concern, or if you want to say something that's going to get you cussed out and blocked, you can send that to tandcrystal at gmail.com. Remember, also, you can send us all your business there if you want us to give you some terrible advice, if you want us to ruin your life because it is what I live for. Make sure that you send it there. If you want to remain anonymous, make sure you send it from an anonymous source. Don't put your name in it. Because if you do, I will say your name. And you better not get mad at me because it is your fault. Crystal, is there anything else that you want to say to people before we get up out of her? Nope. I hope you guys will tune in next week. I hope you guys send us some uh, comments and your opinions and thoughts through our socials. And uh, yeah, we'll see you guys next week. Yeah, see y'all next week. Bye. Bye.